Welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Carla Bass, author of Right to Influence. Carla was a colonel in the U.S. Air Force, where she served for nearly 30 years before transitioning to a career in the private sector. Today, we're going to talk about writing or speaking to influence in two types of situations. For the relauncher who is in the act of job search and the relauncher who is in the first year of her or his job and is having a first review. Carla, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you. Delighted to have this opportunity to speak to your listening audience. Thank you. And it's, it's great to have you here, Carla. Carla, you're an expert in what you call writing to influence. So how can relaunchers apply this approach in their job searches, whether they're writing to someone for the first time to get an informational interview or at the re- recommendation of a mutual acquaintance in the hopes of getting hired? What are the actual steps? The, the cardinal rule in any communication is know your audience. So the first step here would be do your homework on the uh, the company to which you're wanting to apply. So learn what its goals, its missions, its values, um, identify its products, its customers, and its history. Learn everything you can about that particular company. The next thing you need to do is an inventory of yourself. Identify what your skills are, your experiences, and your background. And then you play what I call the great match game. You draw as many correlations as possible between the needs that that organization is expressing in the job application and your, and your qualifications and background, using the keywords wherever possible to, uh, to make those ties. Uh, another thing you can do is develop an elevator speech. And what I mean by that, for those who don't know, it's, a, it's about a, a two-minute tops explanation of of why the company should hire you, uh, hire me because, and and then and then formulate your thoughts. It, it, putting something in about a, a two minute or a ninety word synopsis really does help you centralize your thoughts and make every word count. And then, as you're doing all of this, you need to communicate from the position of empathy. Look at this from the employer's perspective. Um, what what capabilities do you have to to fill their needs? The company has, by definition, identified a hole in its capability when they put out that job application. So explain how you, through your capabilities, can help them further their mission. And there's a big difference between, hey, hire me because I've got all these great skills, as opposed to, I recognize your need and I can help you buy and then fill in the blanks. So, Carla, both the situation where you're in a job search and when you are having to put forth information about your, yourself in a review require that you brag about yourself. So how do you brag about yourself without coming across as opportunistic or obnoxious? The first thing I advise folks to do is, is, is dispense with the concept of bragging. Um, what you're trying to do is present factual and objective statements about what it is that you've accomplished. If you've done something wonderful, step up to it and own it and and uh, and claim credit for it. 
Uh, that's not bragging at all. That's just simple statement of fact. So, for example, if, if you uh, you could say designed and proposed a new marketing strategy, which was implemented, increased sales by 30 percent over the previous year. There's nothing bragging about that. That's all statement of fact. And the other thing I suggest to folks to help them get over this mental block of bragging is pretend that they're writing about somebody else. Pretend that you are trying to further the career of a super talented colleague or if you're a supervisor of a, de of a really deserving subordinate. If you pretend that you're writing about somebody else, that might help you get over this mental stumbling block about bragging. Uh, another thing that you can do, and, and this also removes this bragging hangup, is retain documented compliments that you receive or accolades for your performance. So if, if you're actually quoting a letter of commendation that you received from somebody else, those aren't your words. Those are somebody else's compliments that you're able to weave into your, into your uh, uh, input for your performance appraisal. And then you can also use subliminal words such as uh, chosen for or named by uh, in an agency-wide process, uh, trusted with my STAR program, um, uh, recognized by the CEO or by the division chief. None of those things are bragging. Those are all statements of facts. Mm, I really like that advice to pretend you're writing about someone else. Uh, because it's so easy for us to advocate or put forth um, someone else's candidacy um, as opposed to our own. So taking that stance, I, I think, could be really, really helpful. And I can see how your advice translates into how you might describe a job opportunity on a resume or in a cover letter. Um, how does it apply in, in an interview situation? Uh, in a minute, I want I want to actually do a mock interview with you. But before we get into that, are there any examples that that you want to give our audience be, before we actually do a, a mock interview itself? Uh, yes. So in in any of these communications, if if you can imagine right now an inverted triangle, the the top part of the inverted triangle, this is this is where you need to strategize what your message is. And there's a great deal of strategy that needs to uh, occur before you enter that interview. The bottom part of the triangle is where you actually hone your message to a, a fine point. And I can talk about that later. But for the strategizing the message for the interview, think in advance. Determine three short ideas that you want to infuse into the conversation. What are your three three main points that you want to somehow weave into the conversation with that interviewer. Have those in your hip pocket. Don't walk into this interview flat-footed. You need to have all of this already pre-thought out. It's like a chess game that you're about to engage in. Uh, the second point is that employers are seeking traits such as uh, analytical skills, flexibility, whether it's flexibility in work hours or, or flexibility in, in doing different mission tasks, uh, the ability to work on a team, and communication skills. So as you're doing that self-inventory that we discussed earlier, if you can remember that those are four or five of the criti critical skills that employers are seeking, and then, and then highlight uh, what you bring to the table in those particular terms and infuse those into the conversation during the interview also. 
Another area where people sometimes uh, trip up is when the interviewer asks, so tell me about yourself, as they always do. Mistake that many people make is they'll talk about, well, I love to go hiking. I've got this great cocker spaniel. I love to crochet. The moral here is every single syllable that comes out of your mouth in a job interview needs to promote the message that you're trying to convey to the interviewer. Here's your skills. Here's your talent. Whatever hobbies, when you talk about yourself, make sure that that the stories that you tell in response to that feeds back into the main message that you're trying to uh, you're trying to deliver. And they're, they always end uh, with asking, so do you have a concluding thought? Have this thought out also. Know what echo, what one echo you want to resonate with that interviewer as you depart the room. So all of this needs to be strategized in advance before we even shake the hand and, and the interview begins. All right, so Carla, let's actually do a mock interview and let me ask you some of these questions. It'll be really interesting, revealing to our audience just to hear the way that you respond as if you were the interviewee. So, um, all right, let's pretend that you and I uh, are are sitting together now. We've, we've just said hello and we sit down and, and I'm the interviewer and you're the interviewee. And I say, Carla, uh, wanted to, please tell me about yourself. I adore interacting with people. I love helping others, and I really thrill working as a team member. Um, I can develop an idea, and I can see it through to execution. For example, for three years, I chaired a holiday event that involved partnering three churches, a local fire station, a Girl Scout troop, local businesses, and the entire community. It took six months to plan this particular event. We ended up serving 300 holiday dinners, transformed the fire station into Santa's bake shop, uh, put on a free concert hosted by local musicians. We even had horses and carriages to start the event off. And hundreds upon hundreds of people came. So this event became a, a community builder. It was a local legend. And it demonstrated my love for people, ability to organize. And, and that's just a real quick, that's who I am and what I love to do. That was a great example, Carla. So tell me, how would you describe yourself in three adjectives? This is how other people describe me. Proactive, tenacious, and boundless energy. Excellent. And can you talk about how you showed initiative in a job-related situation? Uh, yes. At, at one point, I, uh, I, was, uh, I commanded a, a, tr uh, a unit of 480 troops, uh, many of which were shift workers, so I visited, I visited these folks routinely on their midnight shifts. I got to know them. I listened to their concerns, and then I acted to remediate whatever, whatever issues they raised. And this, this simple action, it, it showed so many things. First of all, it told them they had a boss who cares, a boss who listens, and a boss who responds to their concerns. And as a result of that, morale skyrocketed. Now, that was all my initiative because I, you know, I am very much a people person. It was not in my job description. There was nothing that said you have to go do midnight shift visits. It was, it was all on my own because it was the right thing to do. 
Got it. Wow, that's powerful. Carla, I'm gonna we're gonna get out of our interview or interviewee um, roles now and go, come back to our actual roles in this interview. Thank you very much. I think it's really powerful and instructive for people to hear actual um, interview questions and actual answers. So thank you. That was great. Um, let's change gears now and talk to our relauncher audience who is already on the job and perhaps having their first performance review. You write about, uh, you know, when you're asked to provide input input for your performance review, that that's a cringeworthy event and it's it's stressful. And and you talk about why that is, uh, because it requires you to brag and you have to put forth information that presumably is going to affect your promotion. So I wanted to know how you recommend people approach this task and be effective in communicating what they need to get across. Certainly, thank you. The, the first thing that I recommend is people need to keep a, a job journal. Um, uh, if your organization has a weekly activity report, contribute to it. Uh, what you need to do is, is document what you've done as you do it and take special note of the impact that your action has had. How, how did you advance the mission? What changed as a result of your contribution? How did you move the ball forward? And, and if you document these things as they occur, when it comes time for that annual review or quarterly review, you already have the information at your fingertips and you're not struggling wondering, oh my God, what the heck did I do four months ago? Uh, so, so capture their data as it occurs. A second tip that I have is pretend that you're an investigative reporter and ask yourself, what instances did you demonstrate initiative or flexibility to get the job done? Did you come in early? Did you stay late? Uh, did you, did you uh, 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 collaborate with other, with other people? What did you do that was beyond the duty to, to get this thing done? Um, do you have examples of collaborating or other team building efforts? Did you save resources? Uh, did you work a significant project? If so, what was it? Uh, what made it significant? How did you make a difference? And then demonstrated initiative. Did you demonstrate initiative? How, what happened as a result? So that's the investigative reporter hat that I talk mm -hmm. about. And in all of these things, capture the so what. That's something that people often neglect to identify. What happened as a result of, because that truly is the bottom line of what's going to get you promoted. Um, another tip is to frame the story with detail. Detail, uh, give the reader a mental yardstick to understand what you actually accomplished. So, for example, you could say developed orientation handbooks for develop for uh, for onboarding uh, new employees, but it sounds so much better if you say developed three handbooks, eighty pages each, and helped onboard one hundred and fifty people. So the the detail add that extra contour and depth and context to the stories that you're trying mm -hmm. to convey. And after you've gathered all of this information, then you need to triage it because usually the inputs are, they're space constrained. So you identify which ones you're going to include in your submission based on the breadth and the depth of the impact that each one of these actions had. Very good advice. Thanks, Carla. And now as we're wrapping up, 
I have this final question for you, and it's the one we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Yes, recognize that each author, uh, no matter what you're writing, whether it's an email or input for your appraisals, everybody is constrained by two things. The author is constrained by time, the reader is busy, tick, 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 seconds are fleeting, and you're also constrained by space. So whether you're writing for the above-the-fold space on a web page or that space-constrained input for your performance report, time and space. So the author who learns how to write, how to make every single word count by leveraging that time and space often wins. And that's where you get the confluence of that inverted triangle. The top part, I teach how you strategize the message with some of the techniques we've discussed today. And the bottom part, I have 10 word sculpting uh, tools. That's part two of Write to Influence that teaches you how to take your initial draft and, and hone it, getting rid of the useless words, the redundancy, the words that hog space, making sure that you've got the most important information up front, followed by the ancillary backup information. So if you follow those techniques, that's how you learn how to write powerfully. And that opens doors that are just unimaginable that wouldn't open otherwise. Mm, very good advice. And I'm glad we came back to that triangle because now I'm remembering we didn't talk about what was at the base of the triangle. And you said you'd get back to that later and you just did. So thank you very much for that uh, additional detail and information. Uh, Carla, how can our listeners find out more about your work? Sure. I um, My website is www.write, W-R-I-T-E, to influence. T-O influence dot N-E-T, right to influence dot net. And on my website, you'll find all sorts of information about a, a multitude of workshops that I teach. The workshops are for corporate, uh, private business, governmental agencies, NGOs, um, and they range in length from one hour to two full days. Um, I, I've taught in Chicago and Denver, New York City, pretty much all over the continental United States, um, teaching people how to make each word count and every second of the reader's time play to your advantage. So write to influence.net. Excellent. Thank you so much. And Carla, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.